many of you remember the Mr Men books? I used to love them as a child and I think I had the whole series. When our boys were small, the Mr Men branched out and they also included the Little Miss series. I was never so keen on them for some reason, although I did like Little Miss Sunshine. As an accident prone child, I always connected with Mr Bump and I also remember being likened to Mr Chatterbox. As an adult, I've certainly met a few people who one could liken to a Mr Men character. Mr Messy, Mr Worry, Mr Strong and Mr Funny, to name but a few. I wanted to see if I could remind myself of the story of Mr Greedy. He was um, a pink Mr Man, if you remember, Cerise Pink. I wanted to read it after reading our Jesus story. But you know, there was a lot of negativity surrounding that Mr. Men book of Mr. Greedy. Some people felt that the story of Mr. Greedy was about fat shaming and about making people feel guilty. I guess I'd never had reason to think about any underlying negativity that could come from a children's storybook, but it was certainly some food for thought. But today's parable is certainly one that is applicable for our times. Many seem obsessed with the idea of accumulating more and more possessions and wealth. It's as if the value of our lives depends on how much we possess. I might not be a greedy person who is ready to trample over others to get more things, but I do need to ask myself to what extent do I place my security in material things? So with that in mind, let's look at our parable. Jesus is in the middle of encouraging and warning his disciples when he is interrupted by one of the crowd who wants Jesus to settle a financial dispute between siblings. Jesus, however, refuses to enter into the family squabble and instead uses the situation as an opportunity to teach about the seduction of wealth and possessions. Like I said, this parable is applicable to us today. We're often seeking money and things, and then more money and things can turn us into fools, preparing our own downfall. Jesus tells us, a man's life is not made secure by what he owns, even when he has more than he needs. A man's life is not made secure by what he owns, even when he has more than he needs. So let's set the scene for the parable. We need to remember that some of Jesus' contemporaries lived lives of immense hardship and under harsh social and political conditions. Famine or land appropriation were a constant threat for the farmers of the day and so were also taxation practices that could be potentially damning for them. I guess with this in mind, we might offer some sympathy for the rich farmer, but in this situation, a landowner who stores up his surplus crop instead of helping to feed and support poorer farmers would not have gained the sympathies of many of those listening to Jesus. The parable is told as a warning against greed, but Luke offers a deeper theological meaning. In looking at this parable, we need to assess carefully what the farmer's error is. He's not portrayed as being wicked, he hasn't gained his wealth illegally or by taking advantage of others. He isn't portrayed as even being particularly greedy. 
In fact, he seems a bit surprised by his good fortune as he makes what appears to be reasonable plans to reap the abundance of the harvest. So what's wrong with building larger barns to store away some of today's bounty for a potentially leaner tomorrow? Nothing, we might answer, except, well, except two things. First, the farmer seems to have a me, me, me complex. His focus throughout the conversation is with himself. What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and so on. The farmer is preoccupied with himself. He is only thinking of his future. You could argue that the rich farmer is not foolish because he makes provision for the future, but because he does so at the exclusion of anyone else. But there is something more. There is no thought to using the abundance to help others. No expression of gratitude for his good fortune. No recognition of God at all. The farmer has fallen prey to worshipping the most popular of gods, the unholy trinity of me, myself and I. And this leads to a second mistake which I alluded to earlier. He is not foolish because he makes provision for the future. He is foolish because he believes that by his wealth he can secure his future when he says, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. The farmer is called fool, not because of his wealth or his ambition, but rather because he accords finite things with infinite value. He has tried to insulate himself from fate and fortune through productive farming and adequate finances, and he has come up empty. He has all he believes he wants and more. Yet at the end, which comes that very night, it proves inadequate. So what in fact are we living for? Do we put value and security in the stuff around us? Or do we live generously and freely? Probably most of us have experienced times of plenty and times of need. Nationally, we have recently gone back into a time of recession after the pandemic. And so some of us may be finding that we are having to be more careful with, with what God has made us stewards of. Nevertheless, the false promise that we can meet our deepest needs with material things has been embedded so deeply in our culture that all too often our response to disappointment with material goods is to shop some more. And I can relate to that thinking too. I can remember once going through a difficult time and buying a new telly to make ourselves feel better. But can our wealth secure a relative degree of comfort? Well, yes, it can. But we need to make sure that the security we find in things doesn't blind us to what Jesus is telling us through this parable. We need to see what is of lasting importance and not be distracted by earthly pleasures.
Jesus was asked to settle an inheritance case and he cautions his listeners against any kind of greed. He tells them that their lives are not made secure by what they own. They must grow into a true sense of values and recognise that their real life cannot be measured in terms of material possessions. Only as we recognise that the grace, that, sorry, that the gifts of ultimate worth, dignity and meaning and relationship are just that, gifts offered freely by God. Then we can hope to place our relative wealth in perspective and be generous with it towards others. May we live our lives with a grace to be real disciples of Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for others. May we wake up and live free and generously, sharing our experience of God with everyone that we meet. Amen.